What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate you and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Early last week, when the market was getting hammered before I went on vacation, yes, indeed, I was on vacation. I don't do that usually, but I had to take one. I kept reminding you that good things can still happen. Sure enough, today we got a confluence of great news that made people want to buy hand over fast. Buy, 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 buy. Hence why the Dow surged 373 points, S&P shot up 1.3%, and the Nasdaq pole vaulted 1.75%. What happened? What happened to trigger this? What happened? What? Remember the consensus on Wall Street is that we're headed for a recession, right? Well, then we learned that the White House has restarted its trade talks with China, and we got some strong economic data, including a terrific jobless claims number. Put it together. Wrap it up. I should have done that. I should have gotten a bow, you know, wrap up a box. And you've got all the ingredients for a spectacular rally. So where do we go from here? Isn't that what matters? That was history. Before I break down my current worldview, let me give you some anecdotal evidence about where we are, or at least where we thought we were until today. So I'm walking down the street, going over to my uh, small plate, uh, the Mexican place, the San Miguel. I forget what I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, a very nice neighbor stopped me and said, will there be a recession? I said, no, I don't think so. But then she tells me how everyone's saying there'll be a recession. I explain, I'm not one of those people, and warn her that you have to be careful when everyone's in the, cr- in the crowds expecting the same thing. She just walks on. Oh, then this morning, while I was on the uh, way to squawk on the street, a construction worker reached out and fist bumped me after saying he's an avid watcher. Uh, but then he looked at me with a bit of a fear. He was shaking, you know. And he said, we're about to go in recession, aren't we? Shouldn't I be worried about my stocks? I told him, listen to me. I don't see a recession coming. We'll walk with him a little. He came right back. He wanted to know whether he should dump his stocks if we do get the slowdown. I reiterated, I don't think it's happening. But he didn't buy it. Either way, I told him to stay the course. I bet you he sold today. Why are so many people terrified right now? Frankly, I think it's a one-two punch. They're worried about the president's tariffs because trade wars have sometimes been very, very bad for business. And they're worried about the bond market because the media keeps telling them to worry about the bond market. It is difficult to explain the inner workings of the bond market. Go read Sidney Homer's bestseller, Inside the Yield Curve. It's like 500 pages on the yield curve. Uh, The press has a bad habit of oversimplifying the yield curve. They say long-term interest rates are below short-term rates, so you should be really worried because that's the dreaded inverted yield curve and it's something you really need to be scared about. And they always stress that this happens right before recession. And they scare you and they scare you and they scare you and they scare you and they scare you. I totally get it. The real impact of tariffs is hard to assess and explain. Harder, what's just difficult? And the president tells you the Chinese are paying for it. Media says you're paying for it. Somebody's paying for it. 
Hey, same goes for this inverted yield curve. Having both of these negatives on the table makes it easy for commentators to predict a recession, especially since no one ever holds the bears accountable for being wrong. Except for me. And look, there is a visible slowdown versus least last year. There's no doubt the trend is down. I mean, all those big tax cuts and stuff. A reversal of that trend, a reacceleration, so to speak, is almost never in the cards. The negativity does become self-fulfilling, which is why random people on the street keep asking me if they're headed for a recession and then they want to sell their stocks. But then you get a day like today, and the bulls finally have some ammo. And the bears are on the run. First, in the never-ending saga of those trade talks with China, we learned that there will be some important negotiations with a high-ranking Chinese trade official coming here in October to meet with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. China's Commerce Ministry issued a statement that serious mid-level discussions will start later this month to prepare for the visit. Remember what I told you, the media trust the Chinese more than they trust the president. Whatever. Hey, remember when everyone was fretting about whether or not the president told the truth when he said the Chinese had called him? I told you it didn't matter either way, because true or false is signaling a willingness to deal. Twitter haters. That was right. These talks sounded substantive enough to ignite the cyclicals today, a group that's been lagging the overall market pretty badly because people were worried about a trade war, same with commodities. Second, we got some terrific payroll data from ADP. Well, hey, listen, they're the largest payroll processor in America. Good stock, too, along with pretty low jobless claims, well, neither of which were expected. Tomorrow, we see that Labor Department's employment number. Things could get ugly if they're disappointing. But after what we learned today, I suspect they'll be solid. Third, after the market opened, we got more bullish data. Uh, the Commerce Department reported that new orders for manufactured goods were up 1.4% in July, when the exports were only expecting a 1% gain. I heard some guy on our network saying today that manufacturing is in a, in a recession already. It, 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 it's hard to reverse these negative perceptions. I do my best, but I'm just one guy. Consider that in June, manufactured goods were up just 0.5%. These numbers are accelerating. Does that sound like a recession to you? Fourth, the combination of these positive data points allowed long-term interest rates to shoot higher. Everyone's worried that long rates are too low. That's the big warning signal that a recession is supposed to be inevitable. When long rates go back up, that tamps down the slowdown chatter and allows stocks to rally. So what happens with the uh, stock market in general? You do get a sea change in what's happening, what's working. Let me give you a classic example. It's a stock, it's a company I like very much, and you've known, they've been on a lot. Uh, Union Pacific, big railroad, right? Yesterday, the company slashed its outlook based on a mid-single-digit decline in rail car loads uh, because we're no longer exporting much soybean to China, and the trade war is starting to hurt their intermodal traffic. That's those big metal containers that they come off. There's like 15,000 of those on one of those big ships, and then they come off and they go on railroads. However, Union Pacific stock refused to go down. There it is. That's the signal. And today it rallied hard, up nearly 4%. Why? Well, thanks to the better economic news and the possibility of a trade truce, and maybe we're at the bottom. Of course, all the China stocks, 3M, Honeywell, Caterpillar, caught fire. I like this Caterpillar here, by the way. Even though I keep telling you they have less Chinese exposure than people seem to think. The slight rally in commodities like copper and oil was far more important to Cat than China. I know lots of people are worried about the tariffs leading to higher prices at retail. But one look at the action in J-Pal. Take a break from your screen or whatever you're doing. and Look at watch. Watch, watch. Watch is my acronym for Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. The action in those stocks tells you everything. Aside from Amazon, all these stocks are within spitting distance of new highs or are there. 
For these big chains with great management, business is strong. Why? Well, we learn to target is sticking to the suppliers, telling them to eat the cost of their tariff hikes. Target's the smallest of the watch chains, but they still have the clout to strong arm their suppliers. Don't own the suppliers. Again, this is my thesis playing out. The big five retailers have too much power for the tariffs to cause them serious problems. It's where we all shop. Sure, most of the strength in retail is concentrated among watch, but it's strength nonetheless. Finally, we get this fabulous bifurcation in tech. The tech stocks that need the economy to roll forward to accelerate all had a fabulous day. I want you to think about like the commodity chip makers like Micron. Okay. Meanwhile, the secular growth tech companies that don't need a strong economy saw their stocks get clocked, even as they were ultimately able to rally back from some very big losses. How long can this goodness last? Wrong question. The bottom line is that nothing much has changed. All the trade talks so far have been ridiculous failures. Every positive data point has been followed by a weaker one. But there's one big difference. Maybe some, please, commentators will ease up on the desire to endlessly call for a recession, at least for a couple days, unless, of course, the non-farm payroll report stinks up the joint tomorrow. In which case, here we go again. And my neighbor and my construction worker friend, yeah, the fist pumper, Will once, will once again be needlessly scared out of their wits, and more important, at least to this show, their stocks. Hey, let's go to Joe in New Jersey. Joe! Hello, Kramer. Hello, Joe. I want to thank you for all of your great advice and helping my portfolio grow. Thank you, partner. Good to hear. What's up? Uh, my question is on Canada Goose. Yeah. I bought them. On your recommendation, and I want to know how will the trade deal with China affect them, and is the animal rights organization PETA going to be a concern? I am worried about PETA. You know, I was a member of PETA for a very long time. I haven't re-upped just because I'm off of it. Uh, you know, I think Canada Goose is fine. It's just not great. Why? Because it's a supplier. And I'm trying to get to the bottom of this and recommend Watch these days, which is Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. That's the way we got to go. I mean, it's just we got to go with the companies that have the power. All right, anyway, I know there's lots of worries about an impending recession. But I'm feeling a bit like it's much ado about nothing right now. Hey, Shakespeare still has game. Oh, man, money tonight. It's that time of year again. I'm getting ready for some football. And with kickoff a few hours away, I'm revealing my dream stock draft for you and your portfolio so you understand stocks better. Then Carban is bringing car buying by click to the critical masses. But how long can it walk the growth tightrope? I'm going to speak with the CEO. And high Fed rates, tariffs, and Chinese trade wars are all just distractions in this market. I'll tell you what's really pulling the strings. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call. At 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. 
this market may be so volatile that it gives you vertigo. But after another great day for the averages, one thing's become crystal clear. You've got to find a way to stick with stocks, especially when the situation seems grim, like it was just the other day. What was that, like Tuesday? Every time the market sells off like it did earlier this week, people panic. And every time, what does that turn out to be? A mistake. That's why I want to make it easier for you to stay in the course in this what is a chaotic market. So how about this? Because tonight's the official beginning of the football season. With the Packers facing off against the Bears in Chicago, coverage starts on NBC at 7.30 Eastern. It's time for one of our annual traditions around here, and that's the the Yes, I can't believe how many years we've done this. This is the Mad Money Fantasy Stock Football Draft Show. It's not just that I love fantasy football, though I completely do. In fact, I just launched a new site, Bull Market Fantasy, where I work with fantasy experts to navigate the NFL season. If you need a doctor in the house, we've got them. But it's more than that. Like I tell you every year, managing a diversified portfolio of stocks has a lot in common with putting together a fantasy football team. I used to do it in my old hedge fund to get people to know stocks. Different companies fill different roles. The qualities you value in a kicker are very different from the qualities you value, say, in a quarterback. And the same holds true for stocks. That's why I love doing this draft, because it helps put the stuff we talk about every night into context that I know you'll understand. So let's go position by position, starting with our running backs. Now, if you're a fantasy aficionado, you know that this is the most important position on your team. You can never have enough running backs. Unless they get injured, you can rely on your top running backs to get a certain number of carries per game, giving your fantasy team a steady stream of points per week. I think the best running backs, the ones you draft in the first, or let's say, first few rounds, and then start uh, every week, are like core tech holdings in your portfolio. The kinds of names you buy and you hold Rather than trying to buy and trade, can you guess where I'm going? In this year's fantasy draft, my very first pick, fourth overall, by the way, was Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott, the Dallas Cowboys bell cow running back. Last season, he was the top rusher in the league. In normal times, Zeke would have been a top pick for anybody, but this year he was holding out for a new contract from the Cowboys. And for weeks, it wasn't clear where he'd be playing, when he'd be playing. I don't know. When I drafted him, it took a lot of risk. It was two weeks ago. I made the bet that the Cowboys would give him an extension. Happened yesterday. Who does Zeke Elliott remind me of? Yeah, exactly. Apple, a classic bell cow running back for your portfolio. Normally, it's easy for me to say, own Apple, don't trade it. But the last year's been a bit of a roller coaster because of that trade thing with China. In fact, over the weekend, a 15% tariff on AirPods, my favorite things, you're hard to even get them. And the Apple Watch, which I swear by, which now even knew that I was on a new kind of machine at home. Absolutely. When I was working out this morning at 3 a.m. And if, if these went into effect, uh, well, they kicked in and there's going to be more come December. And they could do some real damage. I know that. But I think investors who buy Apple in a weakness will ultimately be rewarded. Just need to have some faith in Tim Cook and the company's service revenue stream. The same way I had faith in Zeke. Oh, I just, you know, Jerry Jones. Get this. Will you get this? The owner of the Cowboys on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange yesterday said that I was a real smart fella for picking Zeke and that I would be rewarded even as all of Philadelphia seems mad at me for breaking ranks. What can you do? Can't please everybody. Who else is out there? Okay, the most sought-after player in fantasy football this year is Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Uh, they have an easy schedule. Uh, who burst onto the scene with an incredible rookie year in 2018. So what's a good analog? I mean, you know, it's going to sound a little crazy. Uh, but Barkley reminds me of Mr. Softy. Reminds me of Microsoft. 
The reason? The Microsoft today is not the Microsoft of five or ten years ago. This company has totally reinvented itself under leadership of CEO Satya Nadella. And it's become a, a cloud computing powerhouse. Azure, you ever heard of that? That's why the stock's up more than 140% over the past three years. And why Microsoft is the only business on earth with a trillion-dollar market cap. Plus, just like Barclay, Microsoft's got an unassuming nature. You don't hear much about either of them off the field. And isn't that a relief? Isn't it great just to have a player who's a player? Antonio? <laughs> anyway, one more quick uh, running back. Christian McCaffrey. Okay, I drafted him a couple years ago. He put me in the Super Bowl from the Panthers, who had a breakout sophomore year last year. McCaffrey can rush and he can catch. Last year, he had a mind-blowing 107 receptions. To me, that sounds a lot like Amazon, which, hey, hey, which by the way, Fib Queen says is going to go to 2100. That's, uh, you know, Carol Baroden. 2100, straight line. Look out. Anyway, uh, this, is, uh, this guy's great at both the slow and steady retail biz and the super sexy cloud infrastructure biz, just like McCaffrey. I wish I had him, too. Can't have everybody. Next up, you need some wide receivers, right? You need splashy players. You need big chunks of yardage all at once. In fantasy, wide receivers are very much boom or bust from week to week, which is why I draft them much lower. Some people don't like the, my wide receivers. They're wrong. This reminds me of speculative cloud-based software stocks that can make a killing when times are good but get hit hard when the going gets tough. I like DeAndre Hopkins from the Houston Texans. He destroyed me last year. One of the most consistent receivers in the league who's had a fabulous run over the last two years. It reminds me of Kramer family fave Okta. That's a cloud-based cybersecurity play. They handle all your login information for various websites and services. Okta's been red hot. It's up nearly 100% for the year. Just like Hopkins, who didn't drop a single catchable pass last season, Okta's been extraordinarily consistent, beating their numbers every time they've reported since the IPO in 2017. The stock got hammered today, though, and I like it into weakness. Weakness that was caused in part by competitor Palo Alto Networks. Their CEO, Nikesh Arora, talked about beating Okta to the cybersecurity punch this very morning on Squawk on the Street and said, by the way, that I like Okta way too much. Well, give me a break. All right, who else? All right, there's Julio Jones from Atlanta Falcons, a high-risk, high-reward pick. By the end of last season, Jones had the most receiving yards in the league, but he also had a foot injury that lingered in this year's preseason. Then again, he looked to be, uh, he was playing near full speed uh, in practice earlier this week. The other thing, Jones, who has two years left on his current contract, is waiting on an extension with Atlanta, and if he gets it, that might give him a nice incentive to go out there and crush it this season. But maybe he doesn't get it. You know what this reminds me of? I was going to say Cisco because the reason I have this is because I promised to wear it on air in a bet that I made with, yes, Chuck Robbins of Cisco fame. But you know what? He lost. Forget about it. You know what this stock, what he reminds me of? It reminds me of ServiceNow. That's a cloud-based software company that helps automate back office jobs. Now has been a huge long-term winner, just like Jones. But when they reported in July, management gave Tepic guidance. Since then, the stock's been clobbered. Personally, I think Jones and ServiceNow both represent opportunities here. But you've got to be a believer if you're going to bet on either one. I think the consistency of ServiceNow and the consistency of this man, Julio, Say, take service now. Oh, and let's not forget OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. Hey, brother, did you see? I think Schefter reported a lingering injury here. Um, he was traded to the Cleveland Browns in the offseason. Beckham has been a phenomenal receiver, but in the past couple of seasons, he has been hobbled by these injuries. I think he makes a comeback this year, similar to Salesforce.com, the cloud computing pioneer, with a stock that's slowed lately. It's up just 12% for 2019, even though they had the best quarter of any of my cloud kings. Well, there should always be a place on your roster for a player like OBJ. Or Salesforce.com. 
Here's the bottom line. When you're building a diversified portfolio, okay, when you're building one, you need to balance mix of consistent winners like a great running back in fantasy football and more speculating growth names like wide receivers. For running backs, I like Zeke, Saquon, Christian, and their stock market doppelgangers, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. For wide receivers, you can't go wrong with DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, or Odell Beckham Jr., along with their stock equivalents, Okta, ServiceNow, and Salesforce. How about the rest of your team? Well, you're going to have to just stick with Kramer. We're back with our annual fantasy stock football draft. I've gone over my favorite running backs and wide receivers, but there's a lot more to a balanced fantasy team and a balanced stock portfolio. For example, you might want a quarterback. This is one of the weird things about fantasy. In actual football, the quarterback's the most important player on the field. But in a fantasy football draft, it's a much lower priority. That's because in most leagues, there's only one quarterback spot on your roster. You can only play one quarterback on the weekend. And there are many great players who can fill that role. Let me put it this way. Last year, the difference between the fifth-best quarterback in the NFL and the 14th-best, Tom Brady, how the mighty may have fallen, was less than 50 points for the entire year, or roughly three points per week. There's not a lot of daylight between someone who's pretty darn good and someone who's actually increasingly mediocre, at least when it comes to fantasy football. However, if you do manage to draft a truly top-flight quarterback, a Pat Mahomes, for instance, from the Chiefs, who racked up 52 touchdowns last year and more than 5,000 passing yards, it can give your team a major boost. Mahomes was the single best-scoring player in all fantasy football last season. So there's a vast difference between the number one guy and number three or four guy. When you think about it like that, drafting a quarterback for your fantasy team is a lot like picking a retail stock for your portfolio. While retailers are incredibly important to the actual economy, retail stocks are often neglected by the market because there's so many middling performers who don't really stand out. In fact, right now we've got a ton of chains uh, uh, that are really struggling and a handful of major players that are crushing the competition. Now, the ones that are crushing, I call them watch. Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot. They have the scale to mop the floor with their rivals and, of course, to even crush their suppliers. So which of these in the stock market is equivalent of Patrick Mahomes, who sadly was snapped up by our executive producer, Regina. Tonight, we dine in hell Gilgan in the third round of, uh, of the uh, of the not your average slump and dick league. How did I let him go by? How did I let her? Who I draft is- quarterbacks early. It's very she it's does very it every year. But how did you do last year? Oh, I didn't beat you. Mm, there you go. I did the year before. Ah, that was seen yesterday. Reminds me of Target, frankly. She doesn't, although I tell you, she could use a change of clothes that would be better at Target. Uh, Target's Target's having a breakout year, up more than 60% for 2019. Why? Sorry, I didn't mean that. I could have meant Walmart. I could have said Walmart. Anyway, they both excel at taking calculated risks. Mahomes isn't your typical pocket passer. He'll scramble around the backfield, throw across his body, and he has no problem tossing it up in the air and letting his terrific receivers make a play, Tyreek Hill. He had 12 interceptions last year. That's a lot. But everyone's okay with it because when he takes risks, they lead to outsized rewards. Target's the same. In an industry that's dominated by a shift to e-commerce and store closures, Target CEO Brian Cornell decided to double down on locations, improving the in-store experience, rolling out new smaller format stores, putting them in urban areas and college campuses. So smart. It was big risk, but now it's paying off and the stock's on fire. If we're comparing quarterbacks to watch names, Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks 
He's, he's kind of like Costco, Costco, isn't he? Neither are flashy, but both are consistently strong year in and year out. Home Depot and Walmart have been incredible performers, too. Let's say the depot is uh, Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons. Again, a concession to Chuck Robbins, I guess. And my trainer who picked them. Uh, and Walmart is the always phenomenal Drew Brees, who gets passed over way too often. Man, he burned us last year. Anyway, we're, we've got running backs, receivers, and quarterbacks, but how about a tight end? This is another position that often uh, is disrespected in fantasy football, or goes unrespected, with a few, just a few highly sought-after guys at the top and not much interest in anybody lower. However, there's a good reason for that. A tight end is a hybrid blocker and pass catcher, and a great tight end can make the same kind of splashy impact as a wide receiver. Take Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a sure-handed tight end. He's really a receiver. Give me a break. Kelsey's become the ultimate special situation for fantasy football players after posting some incredible numbers in his first season as a go-to target for the great Pat Mahomes. I think he does it again this year, which is why I picked him in the second round for my own fantasy team, the Ski Daddies. If you want to find a similar special situation in the stock market, look no further than get this one. I love this. T-Mobile. Yes, the wireless network that's waiting on approval for its acquisition of Sprint. Like Kelsey, T-Mobile was very good on his own. But with the Sprint deal, it could be fantastic. While they still need to get some uh, state attorneys general on board, the FCC chairman gave the, the deal his blessing last month. I'm a big believer in CEO John Ledger. And if the merger's going, well, allowed to happen, all I can say is investors are going to make a fortune with Kelsey, I mean with T-Mobile. Next, how about flex? Okay, the flex position has become a staple in fantasy football. It's a space on your roster that can be filled by players from several different groups, usually a running back or wide receiver, sometimes tight end. You want to fill this spot with someone who has a chance to deliver a breakout performance. Somebody like him, take this down because no one believes me. Uh, Debo Samuel. He's a rookie who uh, the San Francisco 49ers drafted in the second round. Samuel's a wide receiver with a spectacular NCAA track record playing for the University of South Carolina. I have high hopes, but this is definitively a speculative pick. By the way, I am benching Marquise Valdez-Scantling, also known in my uh, draft as Exxon Valdez-Scantling, to play Samuel, even as I fear watching tonight's game on NBC because this Green Bay Packer might have a breakout game against the Bears. So uh, who's Debo Samuel's stock market equivalent? You know what? How about another rookie, Roku? The streaming video technology company with a stock that's been red hot. When Roku came public two years ago, we didn't really know what we were getting. All right. Sophomore slump. I don't know. Was it a hardware maker selling little boxes that lets you stream online video to your TV? Was it an advertising? But was it a subscription service? I mean, completely mystified. A lot of us assumed that Roku was just another gadget maker, but then they started licensing their technology to everyone in the industry. If your TV can stream video directly from the web, it's probably powered by Roku. This is basically the only pure play on cord cutting, which is why the stock's been really been such a winner. I'm betting we see something similar from Depot. Yeah, Roku had a rare down day as investors rotated out of, uh, toward the cyclicals out of the high-growth stocks like Roku. Um, I, I did say wide receivers were boom-bust, didn't I? Finally, we need a defense and a kicker. Now, these are typically afterthoughts in fantasy football, as they should be. You don't want to take these too high. When you pick a defense, you're looking for a team that won't screw up. That's why I like tonight's Bears. Uh, They were the top-scoring fantasy defense by wide margin last season. While their legendary defensive coordinator just left to become head coach of the Broncos, they still got uh, Khalil Mack. I'm pretty confident that they're going to be great. Then why did I pick the Vikings? I don't know. The stock market equivalent? 
How about the gold miners, specifically the new Barrick Gold, symbol G-O-L-D? As the stock market's got more volatile, the price of gold has skyrocketed from under 1200 a year to more than 1500 today. Think of the precious metal as your insurance against economic chaos. It defends your portfolio when everything else is shaky on shaky ground. Isn't that what we want? And my favorite gold miner is Barrick. That's right, formerly known uh, in the old days as uh, Barrick. Remember, they merged with uh, Rangel Resources, and they're led by the great Dr. Mark Bristow. So this is a merger of uh, Barrick and Rangold, and that's what you want for defense. As for a kicker this year, I opted for a hometown boy. That's Jake Elliott, my beloved Eagles, even though he was the 16th best, uh, best last season in terms of points. Elliott especially kicks from a distance. Reminds me of Shopify which helps retailers make sales at a distance via their websites. That's why the stock's been such a fantastic winner and why Elliott kicks for my own steed, that is. Bottom line, the next time you're picking stocks, remember, a good portfolio looks a lot like a good fantasy football team, and I hope that reminds you how investing can be rewarding, interesting, and lucrative. Glenn in Indiana. Glenn! Hey, Jim, I wanted to thank you for all you do for us home gamers. Oh, thanks a lot, buddy. What's going on? I was wondering what you think of Twitter. It's been moving up. and it's, Oh, uh, I think Twitter's it's, it's good. Really you know, I'm reading Benioff's book. It's not out yet, but I'm reading it. It's real good. And uh, he talks about how uh, he got talked out of buying Twitter. And I haven't talked to, to Mark about this, but the way I see Twitter, the stock doing, I kind of wish he had bought it. I bet you his stock would be doing better. All right, managing diversified portfolios is a lot like putting together a winning fantasy team. So look for the overlap between your killer players and your winning stock picks. And do not miss the big kickoff on NBC tonight. Bears, Packers, 7.30, NBC. All right, much more mad money. An average ticket price for a new vehicle reached nearly $40,000 in, in the first half of 2019. Looking for a way to profit off that trend? I'm talking to the CEO of Carvana to see if it's worth considering. Then there are certainly moments that are momentous in the stock market, but now isn't one of them. I'll explain why. And all your calls are rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. It's no secret that car shoppers could use a little less time hassling and a little more time behind the wheel. This company wants you to skip the dealership and make the car buying process run like a well-oiled machine. Is there a traffic jam ahead? Or will this big idea be nirvana for investors? Well, with that opening, we've got to ask ourselves, what do we do with Carvana? I mean, some stocks just don't know when to quit. And this is one of them. The web-based used car dealership that's shaken up the entire industry. Regular viewers know I'm a big fan of used cars for years because consumers want bargains. And these days, cars last longer than ever. The whole complex has been doing well, but Carvana is something else entirely. Here's a company that's trying to revolutionize the way we buy vehicles. No dealerships, no strong-arm sales tactics. Just go on the website, then pick up your car from one of the giant vending machine-style garages or just have it delivered straight to your house. Now, there are a lot of skeptics here. 
uh, uh, people fretting about how quickly uh, Carvana's burning through its cash, how much debt it's taking on. These are all legitimate worries. But every time I've listened to bears, the stock has powered higher. Anyway, and it's no wonder why Carvana sales more than doubled in the first half of the year. Uh, and the stock's up more than 150% for 2019, including a major move after the company reported some really incredible numbers last month. Can it keep climbing? Let's take a closer look first time. With Ernie Garcia III, Chairman and CEO of Carvana, learn more about his company and its prospects. Mr. Garcia, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Good to see you, Ernie. Have a seat. Good to be here. Appreciate it. Well, first, as I say to people who are on first time, I want you to walk through what you do, because it is indeed revolutionary and it is indeed disrupting one of the largest markets on Earth. Sure. So uh, we sell cars online. Um, our mission is to change the way people buy cars. So customers come to our website. We have about eighteen to 20,000 cars in inventory. Uh, they can search through all those cars. They can you know, get approved for and select financing. They can get a trade-in value for their car. Uh, they sign contracts online. We then deliver the car to their door as soon as the next day. Uh, they get a seven-day return policy. And by doing it all a different way, we're able to save them a very significant amount of money in the process. Well, this is actually the opposite of pretty much everything that's currently done, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. I mean, but from the return to the idea that it can come to your house, uh, to the number of cars you have, isn't that quite different from a typical dealer? So something I think is great about our business model is because we, we have a national inventory that's available to customers everywhere, all the cars anywhere in the country can be bought and brought to a customer's door. Um, so that gives them a lot more selection than they normally get at a dealership where there's maybe 100 to 200 cars in the lot. So uh, people who question your model say it's too good to be true, that there's no way you'll ever make money because at this pace, it's too good a deal for the consumer, which I always like. Uh, what do you say to people say that in the end you really can't get profitable and also the trajectory of what you were losing and what you're not? Yeah, well, so we're growing very fast, right? So I'd start with that. Last quarter, we grew by 95% in units. We grew by 108% in revenue. Uh, We grew by 134% in customers interacted with, 188% in cars we bought from customers. So that does require some investment. Um, That said, despite all that growth, um, over the last three years, we've gone from losing about 23 cents on every dollar of revenue to three cents last quarter. Um, That's a big move in just three years. And we did that while, you know, increasing the size of the company roughly tenfold. Okay, so uh, let's say tomorrow you wanted to be profitable. Uh, you could be, I think, judging by that trajectory. But is that really the goal of a disruptor? So, you know, here's an interesting stat. So last quarter, we were about 40 base points this market. So for every thousand cars sold in the U.S., we were approximately four. Um, I think when you're that small relative to this opportunity, it's a trillion dollar opportunity. I think it's hard to say that now's the time to take your foot off the gas. And so, you know, we're definitely accelerating into this opportunity because it is so big. Um, but despite all that acceleration, and all that investment and growth, we're still making a ton of progress financially. We've talked with you about about your company because we're very fond of it and the vending machine model. I, I, I think that's very exciting. I have got some graphics that shows what it means, but walk us through that and how that's doing. Yeah, well, so I think the vending machine is really interesting. I think a view that I have is one of the ways the world's changed over the last 10 or 15 years is customers are able to communicate more with other customers out there more easily through social media and other channels. And so I think it's important now in this world to build your marketing dollars into the experience you give customers because then they're going to talk about it with their friends. They're going to drive by it on the street and say, what is that? And then you give them an excellent experience, and that serves as marketing dollars as well, which is just more efficient overall. So the vending machine serves that purpose. Okay. Um, well, you have what in Atlanta it does incredibly well. Yes, we've got uh, 20 vending machines now. Uh, we've got about 140 markets overall. So, we, we, yeah, we don't have vending machines in every market, but we're working on that. Now, you mentioned uh, cars you buy from people. That's also integral to your business model. 
It is. So an interesting thing about buying cars from customers, or I guess the car buying market in general, is that really all used car transactions are just trades between people. It just goes through this elaborate mechanism of a customer goes to one dealership, and then that dealer goes and sells it at auction to another dealer, and then that dealer sells it to a customer. And so if we can collapse all that, buy from a customer and sell directly to a customer, um, there's a lot of savings in that that we can share with our customers. Same time, the auction houses do seem to like you. They do. Well, we're, we're a, a big participant in that market. Um, you know, we're one of the fastest, or we are the fastest growing automotive retailer out there. So we've got great relationships with them as well. Uh, some people say, well, listen, they'll never have enough money to be able to get profitable. It'll take too long. And in the interim, they've got to keep raising capital. Uh, I saw you did a capital raise before. I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that you're not going to do one after the show. <laughs> well, so we, uh, we ended last quarter with a little less than $850 million in, in liquidity resources. Um, you know, we had an EBITDA dollar loss about $32 million last quarter. So that's pretty small compared to the capital resource that we've got. Um, and so we feel really good about our capital position. If the Fed were to cut rates dramatically, you'd make even more money, wouldn't you? You know what? I think um, the direct impact would likely be that because we do have a finance operation associated with, with the Right, business. and I think it's a good one. It, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a great part of the business. It, it makes customer experiences simpler because they can get approved for and select financing in seconds, and we don't have to check with any third parties. That's you know, mm-hmm. our credit scoring engine, you know, our, our pricing engines. All of that goes into driving what they're able to do, uh, and then they can just click a button and get finance right there. All right, now, Arnie, a lot of people watching the show, and they're thinking, why didn't I think of this? And what can I do to think like Ernie Garcia? I need you to go back in time. What made you think you could do it? It, 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 it really kind of disrupted industry by the way that AutoNation and CarMax thought they had already disrupted. Um, you know, I, I suppose it's... Um I'm a curious person, and so you always try to think through what you can do. Um, I, I was probably I was probably too vain, too, believing that we could make a change, uh, but but had a bunch of friends that were willing to take that leap with me and be just as vain as I was. Oh, and, a bunch of friends who were working with you or lent you money? What did they do? Again, keep in mind there are people who are watching. You're saying, I want to be Ernie Garcia. <laughs> Well, you, you, should, you should retire to all those people out there. Um, but, yeah, I, so I've got a, several really close friends that I was lucky enough to start the company with. Um, and then we've, we've hired you know, thousands of people since that have right. brought the same passion to it that, that we've brought to it. And I think we've been extremely lucky to have the success that we've had so far. Well, I'm glad you said luck because it does play a role. But I can it tell you it's also skill and hard work because you've got that going for you. That's Ernie Garcia's chairman, CEO of Carvana, a fascinating company. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the light round! Give us our record one of the same songs said bye bye bye. Just we were going to dinner and it's every one of the fight us out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Steve? Got it! Time for the light round, because we're going to start with Steve in California. Steve! Are you ready, Ski Daddy, Jimmy? You bet I am, and so are the team Ski Daddies. What's going on? So, Jimmy, I'm all broke. I got no dividends. And I want to ask you. Right now, with the volatility, should I be getting into a dividend stock like Starwood and holding it and letting it come? Yes! Now, I've been recommending Starwood now for about 15%, and I am not done. I think it can still go higher. Anyone who bets against Barry Sternlich bets against me. All right, let's go to Adam in Virginia. Adam. Hey, Jim. My father-in-law, Greg, and I were talking about KFC's new partnership with Beyond Meat, and are wondering what you think the future looks like for young brands. I like Yum Brands very much. I think it's a bye 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 bye. What a great couple of quarters they've had. A new CEO. I'm not worried. Let's go to Richard in New York. Richard. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Yo. I know, it, I know it can't 
can't be said enough times, but uh, thank you kindly for all that you do. Ah, appreciate and, uh, it. And really do that. You know, it gets me all pumped up just watching the show. But uh, thank you because you're right so many times. <laughs> anyway, listen, I'm retired now. Looking to draw down on my fang stocks, Netflix in particular. Do I hang in there? It's my least back? favorite fang stock, frankly. And the reason why it's my least favorite. It's because it's got all this competition coming in. Millennials and Gen Z, X, Y, B, Z, Qua, they are all cheap. And they act like they don't have any money, and they always blame the student debt and whatever. So I'm probably going to think they're not going to take as many sites. You know, they might cut the Netflix cord is what I'm saying. I think that'd be wrong to do, but they might do that. How about we go to Sue in Minnesota? Sue! Well, Jim, hi. In, hi, 19, in 2015... I bought a small position in GW Pharmaceutical because of their investment in the medical uses of cannabis. Uh, they now understand they have one drug that has been approved by the FDA and many more in the pipeline. It's been a wonderful investment right. for me until the last two months when it's fallen about 20%. Right. Here's my question. Is it now time for me to double up? Or should I be happy with a very successful... Well, look, I would keep your position. I don't need to know if you need to double up. I mean, you know, we, we had Justin Gover on recently, and I think the com- I think the world of the company, I think it's a really, really good company. And uh, in the cannabis space, it is the best. Uh, because it's actually cannabis that's been approved. How about Audrey in New York? Audrey! Thank you for taking my call. I'm interested in finding about about Beyond Meat. What's your opinion? This is a really, really hard. I saw the Impossible Burger on Burger King. You see that ad? Uh, it's hard. I'll tell you why it's hard. Ethan Brown's great. They do a good job, but the stock is expensive. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. If the true tale of the tape here is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing! What if we're agonizing over a seemingly chaotic situation that's actually a lot more stable than it looks? What if we need to take a page from the stock sages Cheech and Chong and chill out, man? Maybe it's time we took the pressure off ourselves. Whether we're stressing about the president's speech, the Federal Reserve's intransigence, or Brexit, or any other irritant du jour, I think we need to take a step back for a moment, for a moment only, please, and recognize that there's really not that much happening. In honor of my 45th high school reunion coming up soon, let me invoke my great eighth grade biology teacher, Mr. Lawrence, who always said, Jim, don't sweat the program. Needless to say, I had a lot of trouble taking that advice while I was away. But I'm thinking about it now because I just took a rare break from the market, staying with my family at our place in Tuscany. It's got zero reception for anything. It's the only way to pry me away from the PC, the phone, whatever. And I got to say, it was really an enlightening experience. And the time between when I left and when I came back for today's big run, the S&P and Dow had rallied a little less than 2%. Not a lot, not a little. While we got some nice lift today, the averages are still off their highs from earlier summer. Now, I, I didn't check my email while I was away either. It's another rarity because the only place with consistent reception was in my daughter's bedroom. And she's even tougher on me about not doing work on vacation than, than my wife is. So I waited and spent all day yesterday going through maybe a thousand emails. What earth shaking developments did I miss? 
Well, most were concentrated in a couple of days last week. First, we got these three blowout quarters, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, Burlington stores, uh, three trade down plays. I think that, I, I, look, I knew what was going to happen because I read Matt Boss. He's the undisputed action retailer over J.P. Morgan. He told you exactly what's going to happen. Then we got a mystifying shortfall from Ulta Beauty that the analyst interpreters being kind of a preemptive obituary. Can I say? We saw a fabulous run in the semiconductor and the semiconductor equipment names, not because they reported good quarters, but because they recorded weaker quarters. And analysts are trying to get ahead of the potential bottom. There was the usual relentless decline in in interest rates. Uh, Everyone talks about this like it means we're headed for inevitable recession. Weak bond yields are supposed to be a, a sign that investors have no confidence in the future. Normally, when rates plummet, a weakening economy is the culprit. But this time, the economy has an actual ironclad alibi. It was the European Central Bank in the billiard room with negative interest rates. The Federal Reserve has set our short-term rates much higher than pretty much every other developed country. So, of course, money is flowing from overseas into our bond market, pushing down yields. It's actually arithmetic, people. Good thing there's an easy solution. The Fed just needs to cut rates, certainly more aggressively than they'd like. And then we're golden. We can stop worrying. Finally, there's the endless sturm and drang about the trade war and the new tariffs, but we've been over this repeatedly. The well-run retailers, think, watch, okay, can force their suppliers to eat the cost and everybody else. Well, they have to, you know, everybody else benefits. Hey, uh, look, the retail market is really doing quite well. And it's, you know what, the problems are really in the mall, not in the stores. Last week, the president told us that China wanted to negotiate. Then China said the president was lying, and most of the media agreed with the Chinese against the president. I said it was a stupid thing to worry about. Who cares who made the call? Like I told you, all that matters was that they got the ball rolling, and that's what we saw in today's trade news. In other words, what did I miss while I was on vacation? Not much. Don't sweat the program. Look, I know there are momentous markets momentous moments in the market. There are momentous moments. But you know what? It could be right around the corner. But this moment is not one of them. Last night, Palo Alto Networks, P-A-N-W, reported. It happens to be a stock that I own from my travel trust. You can follow along at actionalertsplus.com. The number looked good. But there was one part, some projection that didn't look so good. So the stock fell from 200 to 180. And then Nikesh Arora, who was on with me and David on Squawk on the street this morning, started telling a fantastic story. You know what happened from 180? The stock then gained 35 straight points. Now, what's the lesson? Is to buy Palo Alto? No, it's stop trading in after hours, please. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Med Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.